0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter number 6, Galatians chapter number 6, as I share a message to you today entitled, Restore. Let me know when you're there, but I need you to know this, that God desires that his people uh, take part in the restorative process. In other words, God uh, wants to use you to do the restorative work in the world. And so if you're there, we'll begin with verses 1 and 2. And the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore. Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The first thing that we see in this passage is the responsibility to restore The responsibility to restore. The Bible says this, it says, brethren, ye which are spiritual. Paul is is speaking to believers in Galatia, and he is uh, encouraging them because they have encountered false witness. And he says, hey, ye which are spiritual, not talking about those that are religious to restore, but no, those who have the indwelling spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Hey, God wants to use you to do the restorative work. I love passionate people. I I love people who have experienced a hardship or a difficulty. And and so they want to, in turn, help others who have uh, grown up in a dysfunctional home, who who have experienced uh, a parent or a loved one in addiction, and so they want to come alongside and passionately help. I love those who are passionate. Hey, I love those who who work in the profession, those who have acquired uh, knowledge and skill to be a part of the solution. But once again, this passage says that he wants to use his people. He wants to use you because he's placed his power and his presence upon you. Listen, uh, there's something different about uh, the way that God takes uh, the gospel and transforms uh, our old nature into a new nature. There's something different about uh, God using the, the Holy Spirit within us to transform our hearts and not just behavior modification. He changes us from the inside out. Scripture says in 1 John 4, 4 ye are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he That is in the world. Hey, God wants to use you. He puts the responsibility to restore on us as a church. It also shows us the when. It says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, restore him. If he's caught in sin, trapped in trespasses, overtaken by wrongdoing, restore him. You see, the if uh, makes it a, a conditional clause. In other words... Uh, um, if, then, so we, we get a win in that equation. But I've discovered that there are oftentimes people who uh, don't understand the if. In other words, they don't see themselves as an, in serious a situation or serious about their sin. Does that make sense? And, and so uh, let me give you another condition, if you will. The Word of God says all have sinned. That all have fallen short of the glory of God. That through uh, Adam, all have died because of sin. And no matter uh, the circumstance that we can minimize, no matter how serious uh, we are about our sin, the Bible says that we are inherently sinful. The Bible says that we have a sin condition and that we live in the flesh and that we are susceptible to being tempted and overtaken by our sin. So my encouragement to you this morning is this. Seek community before you find yourself in a condition to need it. Seek community before the condition. What do I mean? Hey, listen, you get insurance before the accident. Yeah, I'm coming. Yeah. You you get a phone case so that if and, and when that phone falls, it doesn't, break and and shatter community is that protective case for your soul it's the protective case for your life and and you need that that community before the fault. hey you need that accountability because you have the ability to be tempted and overtaken it says when but it also says how the bible says with meekness Considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. Meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. That means that God desires uh, to do a restorative work in his Spirit and not in our strength. uh, Not in our flesh. That also means that God uh, desires to do a work in us before he does a work through us. That's important to remember because it's it's fruit that is uh, is experienced inside of us and then it is manifested as we serve and work with others if you only see the holy spirit in boldness through soul winning but never in meekness and soul care then you're missing a valuable tool in the toolbox you can't use a hammer for everything you'll break what god is is calling you to restore it's like adding a, a chisel to that hammer because God is carefully, uh, passionately crafting out his image into others. And so, this idea of, of meekness is strength under control. It's that hammer hitting that, that chisel so it doesn't break it, but that it is carefully crafted, that he's, that he's working and creating something beautiful. It's that, that, that force that is filtered. And how is it filtered? That phrase there says, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. When scripture says, by the grace of God, we are what we are, that we're simply sinners, saved by grace. We consider our condition, we consider who we are, and in our judgment, and in our life, we realize that we can fall too. And so we restore others. When, when that scripture passage talks about the fact that, that so were some of you. And so uh, when we look at that lost person, we realize I was lost too. And, and they just need someone to point them in, and someone to guide them in, and someone to take the gospel glue to, to put some of these pieces back together so that God can be glorified. We see this meekness exemplified in Jesus who is gentle and lowly, the humility and mind and gentleness towards others with the ability to restore. The first thing we see in this passage is the responsibility to restore. God wants to use you, wants to work in you so that he can work through you to reach and restore those that are hurting in the world. The second we see is the reason to restore. He says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill ye the law of Christ. We all bear burdens. We've all got a, a figurative bag with something that we're carrying in here today. So my question is, what, what have you brought in? What are you carrying? Whew, I got a ton of stuff. So I know that some of you in here do too. What's in your bag? Is it grief? Is it fear? Is it your health? Is it relationships? Relationships on the rock, children off the chain? Is it, is it bills? You got more bills than you got money. We, we've all have challenges. And how we deal with our burdens are important. And Scripture says to bear one another's burdens. Can I tell you why? The reason we carry each other's burdens in community is because Christ carried our burdens to the cross. He cared about our condition. He stepped into our shoes to meet our need, and he restored us to the Father. And so when we uh, talk about caring for for others and considering others and and carrying each other's burdens, it's, it's not so that we become a crutch. We're pointing them to Christ. God wants the believer to carry one another's burdens so that we can help them cast their care upon him. That's why he wants to use you. He wants you to to point people to Him, to to teach them that that His yoke is easy and that His burden is light and that in Him you can find rest for your soul. The reason we restore is to point people to Christ because Christ has carried our burdens for us. He says that Christ has fulfilled fulfilled the law of Christ. And has fulfilled it in love. Scripture says the greatest commandment is to love God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy strength. And the second, is to love thy neighbor as thyself. So that aspect of of considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. And that we would in turn to love and to, to bear one another's burdens. Because Christ did that for us. We are fulfilling the law as we follow Christ into his likeness. We're becoming more like Christ as we learn to bear one another's burdens through the difficulties and the trials of life. Can we keep going? We have a reason to restore. Because Christ has has bared our burdens, because we become more like Christ in loving and serving one another as we would him. We see the resistance of the church, the resistance of the church, the scripture says in verse 3, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. We've been preaching through the book of Galatians on Friday night, and, and Paul is, is, is just showing us that the book of Galatians is dripping in grace. And what he does as he talks to the the believers in Galatia is he he puts the law and grace in its proper perspective because the Judaizers were trying to tell them that they needed more than Christ. And so he begins to talk about law and grace, uh, the gospel and good works. He begins to talk about the Holy Spirit and the flesh. And so as he teaches us uh, the difference between God's work in us and, and our own work and trying to work our way to Christ, he warns us about a wrong perspective of ourselves and a wrong perspective of others hindering that restorative work. Hey, grace is needed uh, to do the work of restoration. And God says that, that he resisteth the what? He resisteth the what? And giveth grace to the humble. Another writer said this that that self conceit is self deceit. In other words, we deceive ourselves. If we uh, begin to, uh, to compare ourselves with one another and, and the Galatians, or we're dealing with Judaizers who, who thought that they would become righteous in keeping uh, the law and doing these good deeds, but they said that righteousness was through grace through the Lord Jesus Christ in response and faith. And so we see that pride, that the pride of life is real. That, that pride is what uh, keeps many uh, trapped in their addictions, killing them softly. That, that pride is what tells us that we don't uh, need God and that we don't uh, need others. It, it tells us that we're better than others. And Philippians says that, that humility but lowliness of mind, we esteem others better than ourselves that God is able to do more in us and through us when we remove this filter in our minds of ourselves with pride and in this comparison with others, and we focus merely on the work that he is doing in us. He says this is a hurdle for us. It's a hurdle for the world, but it's a, a hurdle for us because instead of considering ourselves, we are comparing ourselves to others, and Scripture says it's unwise. But with meekness, consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. I love this illustration, and I think it's important as Paul is, is contrasting the two. I want you to understand that, that we as believers should, should view the church and understand the church uh, not to be a, a car dealership, but an auto shop. You know, they're trying to sell you that car at the auto shop. They're comparing with other ones. They're, they were glorying in the car. And, and we know that as soon as that car drives off of the lot, it depreciates. And y'all know y'all been to some churches that's like that. They look real good. But on the other hand, when you go to the auto shop, we're focused on the condition of your car. What's going on underneath your hood? And it's okay to come needing an oil change. It's it's okay to come with a flat tire. It's it's okay not to know what's going on, but to know that the mechanic is able to restore and to heal and to, to mend all that is broken. And then you leave better than how you came in. Jesus is our mechanic. He's the one that we glory in. We want people to to come and to see, but we want them to see Jesus. And so rather than allowing pride to to, to stop us and to, to slow down the momentum in comparison, God says, hey, grace, hey, understand that I desire to restore them. Lastly, we'll close. With the results to consider scripture says in verse 5 excuse me verse 6 it says let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things be not deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to himself shall reap corruption But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And we have therefore opportunity, excuse me, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men. Hey, I'll park here, and the truth is, is that we can be deceived externally. We're just looking at the external. He says we can be deceived, but God is not. God says that we will reap what we sow. And so the question is, what are we sowing? Are we sowing into our flesh? Are we sowing into the Holy Spirit of God? Are we reaping corruption because we're consumed with pleasing ourselves? Or is our life leading others to eternal life and life abundant through Christ? Because we've sacrificed pleasure for his purpose for our lives. The results to consider. You see, you can grow weary in well-doing. You can be tired. You can take blow after blow and wonder, God, am I doing the right thing? God, this world is, this world is crazy. This world is a mess, God, and I'm doing what you said I should be doing. You can grow weary and well doing, but one thing that encourages me is, is remembering all of the battles that Christ has won. Celebrating the wins, reminding those who serve alongside of you. That we've seen 40 people accept the Lord as their Savior, even though the signs will tell you that, that there are 100 people that died from an overdose. Hey, I might not see them here on a Sunday, but I'll see them in heaven one day. Hey, I can be uh, burdened about someone who might not be serious about their sin yet, but I, but I know that the seed has been sown, and I know that they've at least had an opportunity to hear the gospel. the results to consider. He says, as we have opportunity, do good unto others. I'm gonna give you an opportunity, some action steps. I'm gonna encourage you to pray. Pray for those who are struggling in silence. Those who have a difficulty sharing that they're hurting, sharing that they're struggling with addiction, Pray for those that you know are hurting, that you know the the weight that they have on them and that God would give them strength. Secondly, I encourage you to invite. Invite others to Recover Baltimore. Listen, when when I encourage you to invite someone, I'm encouraging you to invite them to community, to a life-changing community, to a restorative community. Where they can find, when they can experience freedom in God. I'm not just uh, telling you to to invite them to, to fill a seat. I'm telling you to invite them because there are people who will care for their soul. I encourage you to invite. And lastly, I encourage you to serve. That whole uh, following uh, the Lord and his fulfillment of the law is leading us to lovingly serve one another. The reason why we're preventative is because we want to stop the next generation from the burdens that they're bearing uh, to to find the wrong coping mechanisms, but to be pushed towards Christ. To to find uh, solace in the purpose that God has for them above their personal struggles. We want people to experience freedom and life change in Christ. And so as I share this with you, I want to share a video of my friend who who did the very same things with us, who was passionate, who loved the Lord, and God used him greatly, greater than we could ever imagine. So at this time, we'll pray. And then we'll see the video. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to be a part of Recover Baltimore, to be a part of a church that sees the importance to reach and to restore, because that's what you did for us. I pray, Lord, that you would put it on our hearts, Lord, as as the volunteers come later, Lord, that people would, would come forward and and desire to to sign up, and and desire to to be a part of what we're doing. I pray that those who are struggling, Lord, would, would put their fear, their shame, the pride down, and gladly receive the community that you have placed here. God, we love you and thank you in your precious and holy name. Amen.